Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I don't know about you, but those lyrics really mean something to me now. I grew up singing that song, page 120 in the Red Back Hymn, and them lyrics didn't mean much to me back then, but now, even now, when I begin to read it, when I begin to sing it, somehow Jesus brought to me the victory. He plunged me into victory. You want to know what he plunged you into today, church? He plunged you into Jesus Christ. You've got the victory today. I've got the victory today all because of his shed blood at Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. My victory is not in myself. It's not in anything that I can do, but it's found in a person and his name is Jesus Christ. I said his name is Jesus Christ. You should be excited today because you were once bound. You were once chained, but now he changed you and now he has claimed you as one of his own. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's never been a time in our life that there's ever been a time in the world that we need a move of His Holy Spirit. It's right now. He promised that He would pour out His Spirit in the last days. But can I tell you that He's looking for a hungry people, a thirsty people. He's not looking for a people that just wants to come in and just bask in His presence an hour or two a week and then go on about their way. I'm talking about somebody that's hungry for Him, not only on Sundays, but on Monday mornings, on Tuesday during the day, at Wednesday at nighttime, Thursday in the midday. Somebody that is hungry and thirsty for a mighty move of God. I don't know about you, but I want his hand to move mightily inside of me because I've learned that as I walk this life that I can't even begin to do what he can do. And he said that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. And let me tell you, church, if anything is going to be accomplished for the Lord in these last days, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by thy spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Let me tell you, it is only by his spirit. We want to see souls saved. It's by Spirit. We want to see believers baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's by His Spirit. We want to see healings and miracles again. It's by His Spirit. But He's looking for people that's hungry and thirsty for Him. I pray every day, Lord, make me more hungry for you today than I was yesterday. Make me more thirsty for you today than I was yesterday. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're hungry, Lord, for more of you, God. We're not satisfied. Lord, we're not complacent, Lord. God, it's been good, but Lord, we want more of you, God. And Lord, I pray never let it be just words, Lord, vain words that proceed out of our mouth, Lord. But God, from the very depths of our heart, from the very depths of our soul, Lord, let our cry be, God, for a move of your Holy Spirit, God. We need it now more than ever before, Lord. Our country's in a mess, Lord. Our world's in a mess, God. And, Lord, it is because of we have strayed from you, God. But, Lord, I pray, draw us back to you, God. Lord, forgive us, Lord, of our sin. Forgive us of our wickedness, Lord. And, God, don't deny us, Lord, but pour out your Spirit one more time, Lord. God, pour out your spirit one more time in this house. Lord, pour it out upon me. Pour it out upon my family, Lord. Pour it out upon this church. Lord, in Yakinville, in Yakin County, in North Carolina, in the United States of America, all across this world, Lord. God, you did it before, God, and you said you would do it again, Lord. God, pour it out upon us, Lord. We need you, Lord. 
we need you now more than ever before, Lord. We're not going to make it without you, God. Sing it again, Aaron. Sing it again. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your presence right now. We thank you for your spirit that is in this house, Lord. Lord, we believe you have heard our hearts cry, Lord. You've been hearing them. And God, we believe, God, that, uh, that you're getting ready to move in a way like we've never seen before. Church, get ready, for I hear, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. You might as well get ready. You might as well get ready and step on into the water. Wade on out into the water a little bit. He wants to take you from ankle deep to knee deep. He wants to take you from knee deep to waist deep. He wants to take you from the waist to where you're swimming and all that he has. And I don't know about you, but I want all of him that he got for me he's got so much more and I know I know that I know that what we're getting ready to see is the best that we've ever seen before we say it all the time but let me repeat it one more time in case you forgot church the best is yet to come I said the best is yet to come. You think it's good right now. You might as well pull up your socks and you might as well get ready because you ain't seen nothing yet. I prophesy right now in the name of Jesus that there's a day coming. This house is going to be filled up with the people that is hungry for him. I was in the church this past week praying and the Lord showed me these altars filled with people giving their heart to Jesus. Giving, showing me people baptized in the Holy Spirit. A people upon their face and their knees crying out before the Lord unto him. Let me tell you it's going to take place. It's going to take place. Mark it down in your books. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. Because he said he's going to do it. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. Oh, we honor you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, Lord. There's none other like you. Lord, you said you're looking for true worshipers. Worshipers that will worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Worshipers that will worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. praise you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, and we thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day, Father, and we give you praise and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, and everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Lord, have mercy. I tell you, there's nothing like his presence. That's what the church needs, amen? That's what the church needs because he can only do what he can do, amen? Turn with us in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 13. The great book of Romans, chapter 13. So encouraged today. I know what it looks like, what's going on in the world, but he's still up on the throne, amen? He still reigns. Our God still reigns. Man thinks they're in control. 
Man forms agendas and plans, but he will have the final word. Amen. Amen. If you're there in your Bibles at Romans 13, say amen. We'll be reading uh, four verses of Scripture, starting with verse 11. And the Bible says, And that, knowing the time, it is now, and now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Let me read that again. And that, knowing the time, and now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, notice the word us, therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We're living in a day and time and in an hour where the world, as we know it, is ever-changing. Where there seems to be new advances in technology all the time, each and every single day, where we are being flooded with information and told that we must keep up with the times, if you will, or else we're going to be left behind. In fact, over the last hundreds of years, more so than any other point in history, there has been more technological advances to take place in this t last hundred years. But there's one thing that will never change. Hear me today, there's one thing that will never change. Man changes, things are constantly changing, but one thing that is constant and that will never change, and that's the rapture of the church. Let me say that again. That's the rapture of the church, that Jesus Christ himself is going to come back for a church, amen. You see, there's not many people that preach on this much anymore. We don't hear about the return of the Lord. We don't hear about the rapture taking place. And we Christians, we, we shout and jump when we hear this, and, and rightfully so, because if you're saved and, and you're blood-bought, you know that you're getting ready to go home to be with Jesus, amen. But I'm afraid, though, that we have almost become desensitized, if you will, when we hear the statement, Jesus is coming back. We've heard this for so long that it is just something that runs in one ear and out the other when it should bring such excitement and that we should, if we truly believe that with all that is within us, that Jesus Christ could come back this very moment before this service even ended, if we truly believe that, then why is it that our lives are not being lived in that manner? You may say, well, I do live my life. Let me tell you something. We've got to get real with ourselves talking about the whole church as a whole. Because there's too many in the church today that are living contrary, contrary to the belief that he is on his way back. So my question is to you today, and it's to me today, those of you that are watching, by the way, of Internet, do we know what time it is? Do we truly know what time it is? And I want to preach to you a message this morning on what time is it. Bow your heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today again in the name of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence, Lord, your spirit that is in this house, Lord. And God, I know, Lord, that you're here today, Lord, not just to give us a good feeling, but you're here today to do a work in our hearts and in our lives. 
Lord, not just of one or two, but in myself and in each and every one that is in this house, those that are watching by the way of internet, God, you desire to do a work in our hearts today. So, Lord, it is my prayer, God, that at this moment, Lord, we lay aside everything that will take place later on, today, tomorrow, and that for this moment we give our attention and our hearts unto you. Lord, I know that you have laid this message upon my heart, God. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to deliver the words that you have given to me. Lord, my words are nothing, but without the Holy Spirit, nothing will be accomplished. Lord, let your anointing rest upon us, God, and upon your people, Lord, to receive your word. And, God, I'm praying and believing that today the kingdom of man will be shook. Lord, I pray that not one of us, Lord, will leave this place the same way that we came in, but that, Lord, a true evaluation of our hearts would take place today. And, Father, we will ever give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. The great letter of Romans, the epistle of Romans that Paul wrote to the church, is one of my favorite uh, epistles within the New Testament because within it you will find the ABCs of salvation. We find in the beginning of the, the epistle here the horrible depravity of man when you read chapters 1. And we find, if you read on in chapters 3, that you will find that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is me, that is you, that's the rich, that's the poor, that's the white man, that's the black man, that's each and every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. It's bad news, but the, the wonderful news is if you read on to chapter 4 and 5, you will find how man can be reconciled back to God. And let me just unequivocally say it today, and I proudly say it, there there is only but one way to God and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He said in John 14, 6, I am the truth and the life. We can't go to God with our good works. We can't come to him with our traditions. We can't come to God with our religion. But we can only come to him through Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen. And then once one is saved and one is justified by their faith, there is peace that now exists between them and between God. You go on to read in chapter 6 and chapter 7 and 8, and I highly recommend that you read these chapters over and over and over again where we see the meaning of the new covenant that God gave to Paul, and he opens up the cross. We see now that we have been severed from that sin nature that once ruled and our hearts and lives, that it was cut off the day that we said yes to Jesus Christ, and therefore now sin shall not have dominion over you. Amen. The sin nature can now no longer have dominion over me because I am in Christ Jesus because he's done surgery on this old heart of mine. Amen. He took the heart of flesh out and put a heart of stone out and put a heart of flesh in. We find in chapter 7 and in chapter 8 where that struggle there is with trying to live for the Lord and not understanding that Christ has paid for it all and we find ourselves wanting to revert back to law to live for the Lord. And there we find with the life of the Apostle Paul where failure came about as failure will always be. But then the answer came to him when he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And he said, I thank my God for our Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can deliver us from the sin nature amen in fact when you got saved we don't realize it a lot of times but we've been freed from the sin nature amen 
So when we go on to read all of this, we find here in the last four chapters of this book, from chapters 12 through 16, and it is believed by many theologians that Paul is exhorting the believer, understand here, what I just read to you was not to the center. And I think sometimes we get it mixed up when we read all of these things and we, we read about the cast off the works of darkness, that that's only for the sinner man. But can I tell you today that Paul is writing to the believer, to those that are blood-bought, to those that have been saved, that are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. So he's exhorting us in chapters 12 through the end of this epistle here on how we should now recognize our position in Christ. And now that he has given us all of this knowledge of everything I just give you a summary of, now that we've got all of that knowledge and now that we've got all of this understanding, Paul here is telling us now we need to apply it to our lives. Amen? We need to apply what we hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But can I tell you, it's not just enough to hear it. James chapter 1 verse 22 said, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And we've got a lot of that going on in the church today, amen? We've got a lot of people that hear the word of the Lord, but yet they don't do what the word of the Lord says. And the fact of it is, is in this scripture it says, Receiving your own selves because people hear this word they come in here on Sundays they go into churches on Sundays they punch their spiritual time clock they pat themselves on the back and they think they've done everything that they need to do they hear the word of the Lord but can I tell you that hearing the word of the Lord is not enough you can hear all about Jesus you want to you can quote the Bible from the beginning to the end never miss the word the way a plan of salvation know what it is to live for the Lord by faith and through grace know everything about it but until you apply until you apply what you hear and actually begin to apply it to your life and let it work in you then it's of no avail you read the Bibles and I believe it's in the gospel of Matthew what's going to happen in that day the Bible lets it know in three verses that well, there will be many that will stand to him that day when he looks at them and says, uh, get out of here, you can't get into the kingdom of God. And it says, but Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did I not use your name? But it's not enough to use the name of Jesus alone. Without faith in Christ and what he has done, it doesn't matter all of the stuff that we do. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Jesus desires relationship with you and I. He don't desire our tradition. He don't desire your religion. What he wants is exactly what the song said, I give my heart to you. He wants your heart today. He wants your soul today. He don't want 20% of you. Hear me. He don't want 30% of you. And we as believers find ourselves, and let's just be honest, not really surrendering all over to the Lord. We trust him for salvation. We give him half of our heart, three quarters of our heart. But Lord, I'm going to hold on to this because I'm not willing to surrender it to him. And he says, I want all of you. He don't want part of you. He don't want part of me. He wants all of us. Amen. So memorizing scripture is not what believers have been called to do. Believers have been called to be doers of the word that we read each and every single day. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and your sin has been 
blood of the Lamb, you are going to follow after Him, which tells me that there is going to be a change in your heart and in your life. And if you have to go around and tell people that you are a Christian, you should tell people you are a Christian. But if they can only identify you as a Christian by name only, then that tells me something's not right. Hello now. Your life should be lining up with what you profess. Amen? We are imitators of Christ. So when they get around you, your talk should imitate the talk of Jesus. Your walk should imitate the walk of Jesus. Amen? You should no longer be doing the things that you did before. In fact, if you truly get born again, you're not going to want to do those things anymore because you're now a new creature. You see, the old person had those desires, but the new creature in Christ Jesus no longer has those desires because of why? You're in Christ Jesus. So again, he's not speaking about, uh, and here we find in this scripture, that he says, no, do you know what time it is? And listen, when Paul here says knowing the time, it's not the way that we know time as far as that clock on the wall back there, the second hand that tittles around. What Paul here was saying is, do we know what season that we are in in this life? 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And if you th- and let me tell you something. We're in perilous times right now. If you don't believe me, turn on any TV, open up any newspaper, look at your phone, and everything that pops up is bad news, bad news, bad news. And if you'll go through and read the first seven verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3, you will see everything he says will be taking place during these perilous times. And can I tell you, church, that all of those things are taking place? In fact, we see, if you read on down to verse 7, which to me is the strongest statement, it says that they've got a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That tells me that they look like a Christian, that they throw on their three-piece suit, they put on their pretty dress, they put on their makeup, they go to church even on Sundays, even some on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, but they deny the power. What does that power that he's talking about? The power is the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They carry a form of it. But they deny the power. We've got preachers, if you will, that will sit and have a form of a Christian. And they'll open up this Bible and they will preach. But I don't call it preaching because that ain't true. And they never mention the cross. They never mention the blood of Jesus Christ. They don't tell you that you must be born again. They don't tell you that you must repent and turn from your wicked ways. And the Bible says that you must turn away from such. Run from these things. Flee from your things. Why would Paul tell Timothy this? Because your soul and my soul is at stake here. You better be careful who you're listening to when it comes to preaching the word of God. And if they're not pointing you to Christ and what he has done for you at Calvary's cross, my friend, eternity weighs in the balance. There's many today who have a profession and even a connection to the church. But they're not really a part of the true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, it's not enough just to come into this building or to a building one or two times a week, but you and I must dwell in the presence of God. We must have ongoing relationships with Him. We, our lives, must imitate Him. Those of you who know my son, Jeremiah, And it's been told to me time and time again. He's a clone of mine. 
My mama sent me a picture of me when I was at his age right now, side by side yesterday. And honest to goodness, if it wasn't for the fact that the picture that was taken 35 years ago, you would think they were literally twins. There's no denying that he's my son. Hear me now. Why is it that there's no denying? Because he looks like me. See, there should be no denial. There should be no, no ands, ifs, or buts about it that we are followers of his. Why? Because we should look like Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about inward. Because when there's been an inward change, it's going to take place on the outward. Amen? So as a believer, you should take what is being preached to you and apply it to your life and, and ask the Holy Spirit to evaluate your heart. When you read this word, when you hear anointing preaching of God's word, it should just go in one ear and out the other. We should be just picking up the book and, and just checking it off of our spiritual checklist while I've read today. But when you read, when you hear preaching, you should always say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to show me? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ will offend you. In fact, if you're not being offended, then something's not right. Every time I pick up the word of God, I get offended. And why is that? Because it is a mirror and I see just how short I really come up of the glory of God. See, the wonderful thing about growing closer to the Lord is a terrible thing, but yet a wonderful thing is that you see just how dirty, wretched, and filthy you really are. But it's wonderful to see that because you realize that you're getting closer to the light. And every time when you get closer to the light and you get closer to Him, you see just how bad off you really are. But it makes you so thankful for who He is and what He did for you 2,000 years ago. Amen? So Paul here is saying that we should know the season and the hour that we are living in. Can I tell you that when you truly know the season and you really know what time it is, that you're going to react to that season, to that time. When we know that we've got to be at work at a specific time. For 20 years, I had to be at work at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And I would get up and I would prepare myself to go into work. To be able to get there on time. But right before I would leave, especially the last 10 minutes, and I know you can say the same about yourself, there would be an extra push, if you will, to hurry up and get things done. There would be a sense of urgency. i got to go. i got to get in the car because I've got to be at work at such and such time. See, that's all here is saying is that we're in a season of time and there should be an urgency that is deep within us. There should be a push that is within us to make sure that we believers have everything in life. So we like to pick on the sinner man. We like to pick on the alcoholic. We like to pick on the drug addict. We like to pick on people that is in the uh, wrong life. And those things are wrong and should be preached against. But we fail to look at ourselves as believers. We fail to look at our own sin. We fail to look at the things that are not pleasing to God. And we forget that the flesh is just as ugly in the life of a believer as it is in the life of the unbeliever. See, we think because we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ that our sin ain't so bad. Hello, sin is sin. And it's still wrong. And the Lord does not desire for that sin to be in my life or to be in your life. Because listen to me, the wages of sin is death. Sin is no good. It will cost you more than you was ever willing to pay. It will destroy your life. 
You may think, well, I've heard that all before and, and I don't really care. Listen to me. The devil's playing for keeps. And he would desire to do nothing else but to drag my soul and your soul all the way to hell to destroy our faith and to get us from quit believing him and trusting in him. You see, as believers, there should be a reaction to the word of God and, and living like we know what time it is. We see the condition of the world. You see the TV. You see what is all taking place. So there should be no excuse whatsoever for us to be in sleep. There should be no excuse whatsoever. If you're in relationship with the Lord, you're reading this word, you're praying to him, you know deep down inside of your heart that Jesus is on his way back. You know that you know that you know. And I believe that's the Lord doing that for his children. Hold on, my child. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy come in the morning. Amen. He's on his way back for you and I. I've just got but a few more weary days here and then. But I'm getting ready to take a flight. But guess what? It's a one-way trip. It ain't no round trip like Delta Airlines, like American Airlines, where you go somewhere and come back. I'm taking a one-way flight out of here and I'm never leaving heaven again because we're going to be with him for all of eternity amen so the problem is the church is not living like we truly know what time it is why are we not living with a sense of urgency in our hearts and in our lives why do we not live with the return of Jesus in the forefronts of our hearts and of our minds here? You see, Paul tells us that salvation is nearer than when we believe. What does Paul mean when he says that our salvation is nearer than we believe? Weiss, Kenneth Weiss, if you study after him, says that there's three tenses to the word salvation. You've got past salvation, present salvation, and futuristic salvation. Our past salvation is when you said yes to Jesus Christ. You gave him your heart. He cleansed you from all of your sin. He made you perfect. He made you righteous and holy because you are now in him. That's your past salvation. That's where justification by faith comes in. Our present salvation is what we are living in today where there is sanctification that takes place in our heart and life. And what is sanctification? Sanctification is the Lord pushing out the junk in mind of your life that still exists. Hello? Because ain't none of us perfect. None of us have arrived. We still got things in our life that he desires to push out of us. And that's the work of the sanctification. Get rid of the junk and have the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in our life. We hear about justification and we hear about sanctification, but we never hear about the third one. And this third salvation is futuristic tense and it's glorification. And that's the day that you and I take our journey with Jesus Christ when he comes back, if we're not went by the way of the grave, and we're going to own to be with him where we're not going to have to deal with sin anymore because this old flesh ain't going up because corruption is going to put on incorruption. Amen? Mortality is going to put on immortality because we're going to have a glorified body to live with him forever. So Paul here is saying here of this salvation, he's speaking of your glorification is soon to be. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Listen, there's nothing more wonderful to a child of God in knowing that we're on our way out of here. 
If you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you should be excited today to hear this, that you know you're on your way out of here. But then the problem is, if we know this, then why are in the world are we living and preparing our lives like we're going to live here forever? Why are we living our lives today of not, if we truly believe that he's going to come back, if we truly believe that it could be today, then why are we living our lives in a way that isn't like he's on his way back? Can I tell you today that if people thought Jesus Christ was coming back tomorrow and was with 100% assurance, you would see a change in the world today? The first thing you would see is people hitting their knees and falling on their face before the Lord, repenting of their sin. And secondly, you would find people going out and fulfilling the great commission that he has given to each and every one of us and telling others about Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is that we don't live our lives as if Jesus Christ could come back truly at any moment. As believers, our focus should never be on this present world, but rather on the return of Jesus Christ, because he's soon to return. Your focus should not be on this life here. Yes, do we have to live? Yes. Do we have to go to work every day? Yes. Do we have to take care of responsibility? Yes. But your focus should not be wrapped up in this world, and this life, but should be rather upon the life that you're soon to have. When I, in McDonald's, when I would work with them, we had what was called unannounced visits from corporations. But we also had this thing called health inspection visits. And every time, and it used to be once a quarter, then it went to once every six months, we would know about the time that the health inspector was going to come. And each and every single day when I ran my operation, the first thing that I would do, I would go in there with the checklist, and I would make sure that I had my ducks in a row. I would go in there, the towel buckets had sanitizer. I would make sure there were day dots on it because the health inspector was coming in and was doing a minute check of everything that was going in. And I realized that the fate, as far as the restaurant, the letter grade that we would get, was resting within this person's power. And so every day I would make sure that I had my stuff right and then the day would come she would get there and lo and behold i would end up getting a wonder grade maybe miss a point about something because i would miss something but then there were others that were within the corporation and within the uh, restaurant business that wouldn't live or operate if you will their business like the health inspector could show up any day and then guess what would happen they the health inspector would show up and they were caught unaware and many times they guess what the points started deducting. And they would see her walk through the door, and all of a sudden they would scurry around like little chickens trying to get everything done that should have already been in order and in place. Can I tell you, with the health inspector, man, you may walk in, there would be time. But when Jesus Christ comes back, that's it. You're not going to have an opportunity to go and make things right with that person. You're not going to have an opportunity to repent of that. When he comes back, he's coming back. And he's coming back for a bride that's without spot, that's without wrinkle, that's without blemish, that's covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. When Stacey and I got married, any marriage that goes on, what does the bride do before she walks down that aisle? I promise you she don't walk, wake up out of bed and go walking down that aisle to meet her soon-to-be husband. Because I'm afraid if she did, many husbands would run out the side door. <laughs> they find that out later. 
Well, you see the real then when they wake up in the morning, amen? But the bride gets ready. She goes and gets her hair done. She goes and puts her makeup on. She goes and gets her jewelry done. She gets adorned because she wants to look the best she can be when she gets ready to pop through them doors because she wants to be ready. She wants her groom, her soon-to-be husband, to beam with pride. That's my wife. Jesus is on his way back. And the problem is, is that the church is not adorned. The church is not beautified and got everything right. And he's coming back for a bride, man. It hit me the other day. When's the last time you thought of my return? And I'm being honest with you because we can live our lives each and every single day just going through the motions. And it hit me. When's the last time you thought of my return? And I'm being real and honest with myself. And it was like the Lord was saying, when's the last time you thought about it? And when I began to think about it, then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, Lord. I might need to get this thing made right with you. Because what he's telling to his church is that you better shape up and you better get ready because I'm on my way back. And the problem with the church is, is that we think we could go around and live our lives in any way that we want to do. And don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching perfection here. I'm not preaching sinless perfection because none of us will be perfect and the Bible doesn't preach it. But what I am preaching is holiness. And what I am preaching is righteousness. And the Bible still says, be ye holy, for I am holy. The problem with the church is, is that we want to live our lives any way that we want to live it. We want to claim the name of Jesus. We want all of his goodness, but we want to go around and be the Lord of our own life instead of letting him be the Lord of our life. And the reason why we don't want it is because it might just be that he puts you on check sometimes. And it might just be that he wants you to give up some things that necessarily we don't want to give up. You see, when there's an understanding of what time it is, there will always be a reaction to it. The problem with the church is they don't know what time it is, therefore they're not reacting. Where's people's prayer life at? Where's people reading the Word of God? Why is it that we got to beg people to come to the house of the Lord, but yet we'll sit back and we say, we know Jesus is on His way back, but we don't conduct and live our lives accordingly you see every day that you do everything you do as a believer and i mean everything should be done in view of the lord's return every text you send everything you scroll on on your phone every phone conversation that you have everything that you do should be lined up with you that the lord could come back at this moment matthew 24 42 watch therefore for you know not what hour your lord does come Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Jesus always taught of the certainty of his return, but the uncertainty of the time. He said, I'm coming back, but we're, uh, what we're uncertain of is the time. You see, knowing he is coming, but knowing knowledge to the exact time will make one more desperate. I don't know what day and hour is coming, but I know he's coming. And I don't know about you, but as I journey in this life, and the more that I see, it makes me a little bit more homesick to go on to be with Jesus. And if there's some things here in this life that's holding you back, and we've got to evaluate ourselves, because if there's anything in this life that you think, well, I don't really necessarily want to give up, or I don't want to end, and you're putting that above going home to be with him, I, there's nothing here in this world for me. I'm homesick for Jesus, amen? 
You see, when I'm on my way home, Stacy will open the front door and she'll look at Jeremiah because he's coming. And say, Daddy's coming home. And what does he do? He gets over there by the screen door and his face is smudged up to the door looking for Daddy. Could we say, spiritually speaking, that our faces are pressed up to the screen door looking for Jesus? Or are we in our home doing our own thing, not looking for his return? And if we're being honest with ourselves, the church as a whole's face is not smudged up looking out the door. Is he getting ready to pull up? Is he getting ready to come back? It could be just at any second. It could be just at any moment. But no, instead of being in that position where we're looking for his return, we're out doing any and everything. Just like the Bible says in the days of Noah, shall it be the return? They'll be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marrying. Meaning life will just be going on. Nobody giving a thought as to what's going to take place. And then all of a sudden, he's going to come back and he's going to catch a lot of people unaware. You see, when one is watching, one is expecting. Time for preparation is to be on this side of eternity. Titus 2, 12 and 13 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see that? We as believers should be living soberly, righteously, and godly right now in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You see the problem right now with many in the church is that their hope as a believer is in the restoration of America. Their hope is in thinking well if we'll get a different governor or if we'll have a new senator or if we'll have a new president or we keep the one that we need and don't get wrong we should vote and we should pray about these elections because there is powers of darkness that are vying to get control of this country and if there's ever been a time that you and i as believers need to pray for our country for our president it is right now but can i tell you today that your hope is not in the restoration of this country your hope should not be by in or in a man but your hope should be in jesus christ my hope is that he's coming back for me. My hope's not in the RNC or the DNC, but it's in Jesus. And we're looking to political parties. Can you believe? Christians. Church. Looking to a political party to get us out of the mess that we're in. And the Bible tells us it's not going to get any better. So why is our hope in this and our hope not in Christ's return? Because that's going to be the only solution to this problem, to this mess that we're in. You see, Paul tells us that we are to awake out of sleep. Now this word sleep here is not the word sleep that we think of it to be. As if you get into bed and you go to sleep. But the word sleep here in the Greek is hypnos. And that's exactly where we get the word hypnotizing. And let me just say the hypnosis is wrong. I don't care who it is or what recommended, it's wrong. There should nobody be in control of your mind except Jesus Christ. Amen? So, but when you think of hypnosis, it doesn't put the person into a deep sleep like you go to sleep at night. But what it does is almost puts you in a trance, if you will. And this is what the Bible, this is what Paul here is saying, that the church is under that hypnosis state, that they have went to sleep. And it means that we are insensitive to one's present life with Christ. Satan has put the church in a hypnosis state. 
Let me say that again. Satan has put the church, there are believers that are in a hypnotic state right now as we presently speak. It's happening all around. Ricky and I was talking here yesterday. He was outside mowing and I was here working. And we were talking and the pure shock of how many believers that are caught up in all this mess that's going on. We've got churches, pastors, that are backing up these programs that are anti-Christ. That are sitting and saying that only certain lives matter. Can I tell you that all lives matter? It's not just the black man. It's the white man, the yellow man, the red man. It's all of us. We all matter because he died for all of us. And the problem is we got pastors that are pushing this stuff, wanting to get out here and get involved in all of this stuff, thinking that we need change. Yeah, we need change, but there's only one solution, and it's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because man's problem is sin. And the only answer for sin is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ so the Holy Spirit can take that, uh, convict the hearts of sinners, and them get saved. That's the only answer. When are we going to wake up and realize that nothing else is going to work? The state of most believers is that they are totally relaxed in their walk and in their relationship with the Lord. And can I tell you that if you're there in that place, you're in a dangerous place. We should never be complacent in our walk with the Lord. But we should be as that song says, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for more. When you fail to be hungry for more of Him, when you fail to be thirsty for more of Him, you're already right there on the beginning of a downward slope. And you're right exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Because what happens is, is He has a Lord the church away. Our focus is not on Christ. Our focus is not on His return. But He has gotten our focus on all of this other mess that's going on to where we are too blind to even really see. And that's why He said we need ourselves of what's really going on. Within this world. The church is always supposed to have been the one that would give the answer. But the problem is, is the church don't even know who they are. They've got an identity problem. You see, the problem is we're living like we got all the time in the world to do whatever it is that we want to do. Never giving thought to the rapture. We're more worried about current events than we are end time events. We concentrate more on COVID than we do the Creator. It baffles me the hours that people will sit in front of the TV and hear all this junk that's going on. It baffles me how they'll get on social media and they'll sit and they'll promote all of this stuff, fear just running rampant all within the church, and yet nobody is realizing what's truly going on and what an what a opportunity right now to preach and give people Jesus. But even more so, the Lord is showing us it's the season. And we've got the opportunity to make sure our hearts are right with the Lord. Yes, you gave your heart to the Lord however many years ago. But can I tell you, our hearts can get crusty. We can get junk within our hearts. And there is a lie that is going on around in the church that if you just live any old kind of way, it doesn't matter because the righteousness of God, you've now got it. Listen, he, if that's the case, then why does First John tell us that if we have sinned, and we come to the Lord and confess it, He's faithful and just to forgive. If what they're preaching is the truth, then the Bible's a lie. When the Bible instructs us to confess our sin, and He's faithful and just to forgive. 
So Paul here is saying we need to wake up. Wake up from what's pulling us away from God and his righteousness and filtrating us with the world. It's like a baby that goes to sleep. And that's what the enemy has done, has rocked the church back and forth to sleep. And the more you keep rocking a baby, the longer the baby stays asleep. But the problem is it's time for the church to wake up. Verse 12 tells us that the night is far spent and the day is at hand. So therefore, since knowing this, we should cast off the works of darkness. When you go to work each and every single day, you don't go to work with what you had on when you went to bed. But you get up and you get yourself ready with the appropriate attire to be able to go to work. We need to cast off the works of darkness, those things that God has saved us from that we find filtrating back into our hearts and in our to life and Paul here saying to believers that's to you that's to me that's those that are saved cast off throw it away get rid of this junk get rid of this sin that should not be in your life first Peter 1 14 16 as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as which he has called you as holy and all manner of conversation, be ye holy, for I am holy. Let me tell you something. If you've got to ask whether or not it's right or wrong, there's your answer. It's wrong. If you even got to think about it, the Holy Spirit said that don't do it. It's wrong. And it doesn't matter if you, somebody says it's okay. I don't care what anybody else says. What does he got to say about it? I'm not living my life based off of another person's opinion. Well, so-and-so does it. I don't care. What does the word of God say? My life is not to be fashioned after another man. My life is to be fashioned after him and his word. So we have professing Christians that will post stuff on Facebook about the Lord and then turn right around 15 minutes later and got every four-letter word in it. This is the junk that's going on within the church. We got professing Christians who want to take communion on Sunday but then drink through the week. We got those that will turn on and listen to stuff or scroll down their phone and look at stuff that they know deep down ain't right. And it, let me tell you something. What would it do to us if we had to unlock our phones and hand it over to people? What would they find? You can hide it from man, but you're not hiding it from the Lord. Listen, he saved all of you when he saved you. And it is not his desire now for us to be partaking in the sin saying get rid of it it's a lord you you're being distracted from me and what i want to do wake up i'm on my way back and you're not living like i'm on my way back you're living your life contrary to the fact see we want to glory in the grace of the gospel and forget about the obedience that the grace of the gospel calls for we glory in his grace we glory in the fact that he has saved our soul but we forget that this grace that's been imparted unto us demands an obedience and obedience to his word. Romans 6, 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So Paul is saying why we should be acting the way that we're acting. There's some Christians that are so mean. <laughs> it blows my mind. And listen, I think there was a post that went around on Facebook I think about a year or two ago. Who cares if you speak in tongues if you're mean in English? I don't care, and you can speak in all the tongues you want to. And we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe in what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you don't have love, you're nothing. 
He also said that you can speak in all the tongues you want to, but if you don't have love, you're nothing more but a bunch of racket. And that's my version. We, we, we sit and we do all of these things. We think we're real holy. We think we're real righteous. We do all of these things, but yet we don't treat our brother with love. Which should be, by, remember, the greatest gift of all that you should desire. Love. Paul, verse 13, Paul says, Walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chamber and wantonness, not in strife and envy. What is he saying? Listen, drinking should not be taking place in the heart and life of a believer. Paul here, get me, is talking about immorality. He's talking about sexual perversion. Well, wait a minute, I thought that was only with unbelievers. He's talking to believers here. And we got people within the church that now have compromised and says it's okay to live together, man and woman, and not even be married. We don't call out sin anymore. We don't call out this stuff as wrong. We've got people on praise and worship teams in these mega churches that are nameless that are practicing and living in a life of homosexuality and lesbianism. And thousands are flocking to this stuff. And our hands are lifted high. We say, thank you, Jesus. And we think we're good to go. And all in the while, we don't even realize the condition that we're truly in. Isaiah chapter 1. He tells us the whole head is sick. I'm tired of your I'm tired of all of this stuff. What I want is your heart. What I want is you. And we need to open our eyes and truly do a self-evaluation of our heart today. Or is everything right in our heart? Are there things that are there that should not be there that we know deep within ourselves that are unpleasing to the Lord that he wants us to bring to him so he can rid us of them? In Jeremiah 6.15 were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not all of ashamed, neither could they blush. Where's the blushing now of sin in the church? We don't even blush at sin anymore. We look at TV and we watch TV programs, and I'm just putting it out there, and we're that glorify characters of our own lifestyles, and we'll sit back and we watch them. And then we want to know what's wrong with our children. When we place them in front of this evilness, and when we ought to pick up the remote control and turn it. We should be sent back. We'll sit up here and we'll preach and proclaim it's wrong. Thus saith the Lord and that stuff is wrong. But then we'll get right at home and we'll turn on stuff on our phones or on our TV and we'll literally sit back and laugh at it as if there's nothing wrong. Because we're so blind, we went to sleep. And Paul here is saying we need to wake up and realize that he's almost here. Wake up and put these things that should not be in your life, child of God, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang about it. He's died to give us victory. He's died to give us victory over sin. He's died to give us victory over the flesh. He wants to have abundant life. And he's telling us, cast off these works of darkness and put on Jesus. Put on what he has done for you and start living like who you say that you are in Christ. The end is near. And again, we need to clothe our soul in him. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Amen. Singers and musicians, you may come. My question is to you today, and those that are watching by the way of internet, and hear me. What is leading us away from God? What is vying for our attention? What is pulling us away from the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we need to evaluate our lives 
a self-evaluation of what's to take place. And I don't know about you, but our focus needs to be rechecked. We need to make sure we're giving more attention to Christ and leaving this world and allowing Him to loosen the grip of the attention and focus of our present life. We're leaving here one day. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I've got everything right. I want more of Him. But to have more of Him means that I've got to be honest with myself and let Him do a check on my heart. And is there anything that is there that is standing between me and Him? You know the answer, and it doesn't matter if I know it. I don't need to know it. He knows it. And I'm not preaching condemnation today. I'm saying the Lord is merciful and full of grace. And if we'll bring it to Him, in one second, He can wash it away. The rapture is soon to take place. Are we ready? Do we truly know what time it is as you stand to your feet? I don't know what you need in your life today, whether it's salvation, repentance, forgiveness. If that's you today, you need to be in these altars. And can I just say that if you, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. But if you say everything's right in your heart, you're saved, but maybe you want to come to these altars and seek the Lord for more of Him to make you bold. To have more of Him in these last days to withstand. If that's you, I want you to come to these altars. Seek the Lord and let Him have His way in your heart and life. Is that your heart's cry? Holiness. Again, as the song said, as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. Amen. Let's be ready for His return, church. Let's be ready because he's soon to come back. Amen. And let us tell somebody about him. Let us give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We owe it to him because of what he's done for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you for the hearts and lives that you have touched. We thank you for your spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that your word would continue to go with every person. Lord, I pray that it not leave not one of us as we leave this house, God. Lord, I pray let us evaluate ourselves each and every single day. Lord, that we make sure that everything is right between you and I, Lord. That, God, we would truly hunger and thirst for you, Lord, more and more each and every single day. Lord, I thank you again for it all. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen.